good ball played in for Tony Morley. Oh, he missed it! Hello, beautiful, beautiful people and Aston Villa fans. It is my pleasure to be here with you today for this transfer window special. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, my name is uh, Craig Storrod, at Craig Storrod on Twitter. And I am joined here today by my good friend, Mr. Andy, at K2 Villa. Hello, everyone. Hello, Craig. Yeah, great to, great to be on uh, had a bit of trouble doing the uh, the main the main show this week, but we're we're live on YouTube for uh, deadline day. It's uh, interesting times, Craig. Live on YouTube for deadline day, and it is interesting times. So we're going to try and cover uh, some stuff. Obviously, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about transfers, as it is, of course, transfer deadline day. Um, the yellow ticker, uh, I imagine, is going crazy on uh, Sky Sports News. We have no yellow ticker here, but we do have a yellow badge, which is the Aston Villa badge, which I believe may be of interest to some people. But we're not going to talk about the badge today. Um, we're also going to talk about briefly the Chelsea uh, FA Cup game, preview Sheffield United, and we will have a cursory mention about the uh, a Newcastle United game. Um, but not too much, Andy, because it's upsetting, wasn't it? I mean, let's let's just start there. Oh God, it was uh, not entirely unexpected, though. I think Craig, um, I get in a bit of trouble for for saying things about about the recent form, but I, just, I I don't know. I kind of saw it coming. I don't know about you, but I I just thought after the last few games, Newcastle. I think had they lost four in a row or something like that. It's it, it was nailed on for to be a difficult evening, and it certainly was. It it wasn't it wasn't great at all. Yeah, it wasn't good. I mean, I feel that way sometimes. Like when the uh, when 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 it when it was coming out just before I think the Sheffield United game about Sheffield United having the worst away record and we had the best home record and it was a foregone conclusion that it wasn't. And this was a similar thing. I think Newcastle had the second worst away record. Um, but we'll we'll come back to the Newcastle game in a little while. Um, yeah, we first and foremost are going to talk about Aston Villa transfer business, and we are going to start unconventionally, Andy, with the outgoings. And hot off the press, hot off the press, Andy has yet to be confirmed by Aston Villa or Villarreal. Uh, but you've just thrown it into the group chat, and I trust you as my number one source. Our good friend, the wizard, Bertrand Traore, leaving on a free transfer, potentially, to uh, Villa Rael. Uh, Andy, your uh, initial thoughts on this breaking story? Well, again, it's it, it's not too much of a surprise, is it? It's it's probably one that needed to happen. Um, he's played precious little football, certainly this season. Um he came back from loan. He was in loan. He was on loan in Turkey, wasn't he, up until last uh, January, and and came back and and really helped us out in that that charge for the um, for the European Conference League position that we achieved. Scored two goals in two games and won us six points, which was incredibly useful. Um, and he's just a player who I think. You know, we 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 kind of describe as a as a bit of a maverick, don't we? We never ne really know what kind of performance we're going to get from him. Had a had a really good season, really productive season um, in his first year under Dean Smith um, in the uh, in the COVID season, and yeah, racked up some great numbers. And he was part of that um, that uh, much much missed and much maligned triumphant with. Uh, Trezeguet and El Ghazi, wasn't he? The, the, the wide players that used to interchange. And, and and to be fair, you know, put some good numbers on the board. Um, but yeah, I mean, his, his, his career at Villa has, has kind of uh, kind of died a death, kind of half came back to life and now it's and now it's 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 gone again. But he's certainly, um, you know, 
you know, he's 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 been a bit of a, I suppose, a, a cult hero, really, hasn't he? And um, it was a shame, I think, that we didn't get to see more of him in the flesh in that first season, um, as we were, you know, obviously behind closed doors games um, at that time. So it's, you know, that that that's that's a shame. He scored some absolutely great goals. That 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 one at West Brom is the one that stands out for me. Just just pure Bertrand Traore, that one, wasn't it? It was uh, it was great. And I, I know you're a you're a big fan as well, Craig. You I am you like Bertie. I um, am. I like these weird off the cuff players that that aren't always fan. I loved Codger. Um, as mad as a box of frogs he was, and I love uh, Traore. I, I I like a player who is unconventional, who is a bit of a maverick, who can get your bum off the seat, and who you're never quite sure what they're going to do. Um, Bertrand Traore, as you say, it 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 was a great first season. Actually, it was a step up um, from in terms of quality on Trezeguet and Al Ghazi. Uh, he took a he took an injury that 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 second season, and then Gerard came in and. And then uh, the, the biggest contention or disappointment I have with, with Traore at this point is it seems that um, his commitment to Aston Villa hasn't been what it could have been. I don't think it's a coincidence that he manages to be fit for Burkina Faso um, every time they need him. And he hasn't been around for us when we've needed him. And we've needed him this season in particular. Um, we've had been really short of, of wide options, really short of game change, changes from the bench. And yes, I understand that that, um, that Bertrand Chore is a figure of fun to some of our listeners. But as you mentioned, even last season, instrumental Bertrand Chore was in our European qualification by literally winning us six points with those two little cameos. So even if he was just playing like the Europa League games and, and, and we had an opportunity to rotate some of the other starting players who are now beginning to to struggle a little bit for um, in terms of fatigue. It would have been useful to have him around and the fact that he's he's just magically got himself fit again for for um, his country is a little bit leaves. I mean, look, you know, I, I'm not going to start writing hate mail to the guy, but I would say it leaves a slightly bitter taste in my mouth, Andy. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose these things are all often kind of put down to coincidence, really, aren't they? But it is unusual. It is strange that he's he 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 finds himself fit every other January. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I think when we signed him, my expectations were low. Um, anyway, he was he was a sort of middle of the road type of signing. I'm not convinced he was ever a Ever Dean Smith's first choice. He was probably one on a list, um, but he he's, he, he kind of did um, what we needed him to do, certainly in that season. And and obviously when when Emery called him back, it's it, it was the same situation. And um, when you look at it, really, when you look at some of the players we have signed for, you know, more or a similar amount. Um, his numbers definitely stack up, but like you say, yes, it would have been better if he'd have been around a little bit more to provide an option. But then, how much he would have played, I'm not sure. Because yeah, he I don't been competing as with, I say, I, I obviously didn't, Bailey and and Diaby wouldn't. I don't think he would have been a starter. I think there's just been maybe a couple of occasions where we've needed something, something mad. You know, in a game like, you know, the Sheffield United yeah. one or the Burnley one or even like Everton away where we're just struggling to find a break breakthrough. Like he is a player, love him or hate him, that has that moment of <laughs> calamity or that moment of bris- uh, brilliance that can just unlock a defence, win a penalty. Um, he's he's yeah. likely to volley one in the top. You know, he, he can do that. So, and we saw last season, he proved that again by, by again winning the so six points without which we don't have... A Europa League uh, conference uh, thing, and without which this channel doesn't even exist. Gather round again, built for the European campaign. So I guess overall, a big thanks to Bertrand Traore, and also it seems that Villa cannot uh, go a January window without losing a number nine. But that's a different story. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, it's a hell of a move. It's a hell of a move. Well, he's a good player. How's how's he? He's, he's, he's actually good he he's actually good and on a free transfer <laughs> I think he'll have a lovely time in Spain um, the weather may um, yeah. suit him it will certainly suit me a little bit more than the winter here in uh, 
on the east coast of the USA. Goodness me, terrible, and um, <laughs> and and all that jazz. But he's not the only international to be uh, leaving us, Andy. Another one of my little favourites for different reasons. Big Daddy Donk has uh, joined Napoli on loan. Another big club, big move. The I believe the reigning Italian champions. Um, that's a that's a big club for for Dendonka. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Really, that like you say, the Serie A champions have come in and taken our what was he our fifth choice midfielder? Yeah, as one of their signings, and that you know, it's it's. I know they're not they're not quite up to the standard that they were last season or anywhere near it really, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a huge club um, with an incredibly vociferous and passionate fan base. Um, you know, he'll have to hit the ground running. I think <laughs> why well, won't they, they won't quite take to him? But he's um, yeah. I mean, he was one of those players that you probably think, in actual fact, you can do without. He's one of those players that provides a little bit of kind of security but you how much security actually offers you I think it's a bit of a I don't know a bit of a mirage really I'm not sure he's certainly when he's when he's come in in games this season he hasn't really um you know fitted into the, the style of play or, or or made much of a difference other than the the, the goal he, he nicked at um at Man United but Generally, I think he's he, he's he's not suited to to what we do. He was suited to to perhaps what Steven Gerrard wanted to do, and that's why he signed him. and And um, things have moved on since then. And I think, as with a few of the players, and we may find this out in the summer, um, we've we've possibly moved past them a little bit, and um, we're going to be harsh, uh, harsh we're words. Be looking to, um, I think it's. Yeah, possibly. I think it's just reality—the reality of the situation, yeah, isn't it? And, I know. I know. You know, there are certain players in the team, and I'm not going to—I'm not digging anyone out because, as far as I'm concerned, that I can't think of many players that haven't done themselves justice and, and played a part this season in incredible sort of first half of the season. So, definitely not digging anyone out. But I think we will see, and we'll have to see as well some some movement in the summer. Um. For, for lots and lots of reasons. Well, the FAP, um, FFP but, uh, uh, bear is, um, you know, talking about fighting the bear. The bears come, might be coming to fight us if we're not uh, careful. A little bit of a callback there. Yeah, so, um, uh, yeah. last thing on Dendonka, Andy. Uh, apparently, an £8 million um, buyout available for, for Napoli. If they decide to trigger that in the summer, is that um, is that good money for Aston Villa? I think that would be a phenomenal amount to get for, for for a player who, like like I say, is fourth or fifth choice, and potentially even further down the list come come August next year. So I think absolutely um, incredible if they can get anything like that for him. I think. All right. Um, I know that's less than we paid for him, but well, well, yeah. I would say that's a that's an incredible um, return for. For a player who's who's really not, yeah, not not really done a great deal for us, has he? So let's talk um, about his... whether they'll actually play pay that. I don't know. Well, we'll 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 see. Let's fingers crossed for that. I know we're about to make yeah. some money off Morgan Sanson, so um, you know, it, it is, it is, it is. There are miracles do happen, <laughs> Andy. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of miracles, um, one of our miracle youth players from from West Brom, and we'll talk more about them today because we seem to have signed someone else from West Brom this morning. Um, uh, Tim Irugbunum yeah. um, has been earmarked or named directly by Unai Emery as being Dendonka's new replacement in the squad to understudy Bubakar Kamara. Uh, any quick thoughts on that? Old Tim getting a shot at the big time, potentially? Yeah, fantastic. I, I mean, I've been waiting for, to see him get a run in the side or some some proper sort of first-team minutes for, for a good couple of years. I thought, you know... It looked like Gerard was going to do that, and then he he kind of bottled it, didn't he? Um, but I th I think, you know, this is a player with with incredible um, uh, reputation at youth level already. I think um, he's a player that I think the, the QPR fans certainly last season, you know, really really took to. It's a bit of a shame that um, things fell apart at Queens Park Rangers last season after 
Beal left and they chopped and changed their managers a bit and and it, it all went a bit downhill. Um, but I think he he generally kind of stood out in that at that club last season and um, yeah, just I, I'm really excited to see him and see how he does and see how how he can kick on, particularly under under Emery and Emery's system. I just think. The potential is 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 there for him, and clearly, um, if you're if you're willing to 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 let a you know a, a seasoned Premier League pro um, Belgian international leave the club, um, you've, he clearly has some faith that that Tim can can kind of step up and and fill in. It'll be interesting to see where he fits in because we've had this discussion about what kind of midfielder he is, and I think he can pr- pretty much play. As a six and eight or a ten, so it'll be really interesting to see how Emery uses him. Yeah, I'm excited to see him as well. I think that he's one of the, kind of the high hopes and the bright sparks um, out of the academy, and <laughs> along with Chukwemeka, who's gone, Bidace, who's gone, and uh, Archer, who's gone, and Aaron Ramsey, who's gone. So Eric uh, Budim uh, is is the only one, uh, along with Louis Barry, who's um, uh, recovering from a, a bad injury. Uh, on loan at Stockport, who's who's kind of um, still in still in the building, Tim Irugbunum. So, I hope he gets an opportunity as well. Um, and we do have cup games coming up: FA Cup game a replay with uh, 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 Chelsea and potentially a tie at um, uh, against um, could be Plymouth or Leeds. So your your mate Patrick Bamford may rock up. Um, so uh, we'll we'll see about that. But that's a that's a that's a discussion for another day, uh, but yeah, should see Tim Irugbunum um, uh, uh, very very soon. Speaking of, of of youth players, in terms of the outgoings, we won't mention them um, in any particular detail. But Ben Crisan got a good loan at uh, Blackburn. Kerr Smith gone on loan to St Johnston. Uh, Rico Richards Slotport joining Louis Barry there. Uh, Rico Richards, a, a promising forward player. Philip Marshall, the goalkeeper, is now at MK Dons. And uh, we've also <laughs> loaned out two of our new signings as well. And a quick honorary mention for uh, Finn Azaz, um, another West Brom <laughs> academy player that we brought in. And we've now sold to Middlesbrough, who was doing well in the championship. Obviously, um, all the best to Finn. Um, and um, and that will be interesting to talk about. Now, there is one other player whose exit hasn't been confirmed, who we should mention um, very quickly, Andy. And that is Callum Chambers. Um, the rumor mill has him, depending on which report you believe, either going to Hull this evening or going to West Brom um, with on a loan move with a, a permanent uh, deal, either optioned in or obligated in, depending on who you who's writing you believe. Uh, Callum Chambers probably will be gone in the next couple of hours, not confirmed yet. Uh, but your quick uh, thoughts on Callum Chambers' uh, impending departure from B6? It's just it's just another one that needs to happen, isn't it? You know, he's he's not going to play for Emery. I think the the game over in uh, Legia Warsaw, I think saw to that he he played at right back and just looked so off the pace. Um, and I just think I just think Emery makes his mind up about these these guys, and he obviously he obviously makes an effort to keep people involved. Chambers has been, you know, named amongst the substitutes on plenty of plenty of occasions, but he never uses him, um, and he's never going to use him. So, I think it makes sense for him to him to leave. Um, uh, you know, maybe you, you lose a player out of the squad, and you never know. You might have a you know a sudden um, rush of injuries, but I just think Emery would sooner perhaps turn to someone like Josh Feeney maybe and um or Bogart is Bogard back at the club as well. Um I believe we've got so. of course Cap yeah Kane Kessler Hayden has come back from Plymouth and he was in the match day squad um against Newcastle. So th- th- there are options there. I think Emery's sort of more willing to use utilize the those those players coming coming out through the academy than than, than someone like Callum Chambers, and of course it's a, it's a, it's a wages issue as well. He'll be on a he'll be on a a huge wage because he was he came from Arsenal, so he he would have been on a on a big salary, um, minimal fee. You know they'd have, they'd have 
bumped his salary up at that time. Um, he's, he's but he's done. He, he, he's he's kind of done okay. He certainly, you know, looked looked like he was in some sort of um, form initially for for Steven Gerrard, but. He's he's really done nothing uh, since Emery came in, has he? No, I think he, yeah, I I think it was that that game that you mentioned was 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 the end of days for Callum Chambers, and it's been a, a matter of time since then. Surprised he's lasted until deadline day, um, but um, you know Unai Emery, you know he just doesn't fit. I think you know we 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 move on and 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 speaking of uh, profile of player and wages, uh, Ian in the comments, shout out to Ian, um, who says. It looks to me like good business. Four players with room room to develop from the bench, low salary, so we can spend more money on the first eleven. And this part of this curl, part of these trimmings, with the removal of the wages of Bertrand Traore, the removal of the wages of the likes of Philip Coutinho from the summer window, the removal of the wages of uh, Callum Chambers, who, uh, as an England international, as you say, Andy, um, was going to be on a reasonably decent wedge, is really really important. Uh, Ian also talks about um, in terms of the incomings, who we're, which we're going to move on to now. The, uh, the body type of the new signings, who are all kind of six foot plus. For a long time, we have talked about, and Ian makes a good point here, we've talked about the um, the size issue with some of our players. We were a little bit diminutive, and we saw that in a Newcastle fixture at the weekend. Whereas some of the lads we brought in, we were going to go on to talk about now, uh, we've got some, some units. Uh, also, shout out to uh, Mark, who says... Uh, Bertie is like a box of chocolates. You never know which Bertie you're gonna get. <laughs> well, a bit like chocolates in my in my house. Uh, Bertie's gone. <laughs> so, uh, Andy, uh, <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about um, let's talk about the incomings. As Ian says, the physical profile, the age profile, um, and the um, the athletic kind of profile of these players that we're bringing in. Uh, is very, very interesting. We have definitely got, certainly in the, the goalkeeper from Australia, whose name escapes me. Any idea, Andy? Who that is? Joe, Joe Gauchi. Joe, Joe Gauchi. Gauchi. There you go. Who's a who's a big old yeah. man? I mean, that's slightly different for yeah. goalkeepers. Tend to be pretty big anyway. Apart from old Shay Given, who I think was about as big as me. He's, he's also he, he's, he's also the first player I think we've signed who um, who. Could have been a character in Goodfellas, I think. <laughs> it sound, it's definitely sounds like he's, you know, he's got he's got something of the uh, Benito Carboni, the, the, no, uh, the mafia about him. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. actually, yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, Ricky Ricky Skimeka, not to uh, not to cast aspersions on any of our yeah, peoples of Italian uh, descent, just. Uh, just uh, thinking out loud here. So let's go through the list. We already talked a little bit about Costa uh, Nedokovic from Red Star Belgrade. Uh, we talked about him in a previous show, so we won't spend too much time here. Um, young, big Champions League minutes. Did very well, actually, in the Champions League for Red Star against our old captain, Jack Grealish, earlier this season. He's gone back on loan. Clearly, he's one for the future. Um, but what do you think of Costa? Do you think Costa will be doing another loan next season and we'll go again as we are with Konza and Cash as kind of the two right backs, maybe Kane Kessler-Hayden who you mentioned who has been recalled or do you see Costa being, or, or maybe it's too early to tell Costa, you know, forming part of the first team squad next season Well, I mean, it's really difficult because I, I haven't seen an awful lot of him and he is, he is incredibly young really when you look at although you know, we do have some young players. Eighteen is still is still quite young. It's very rare that we we seem to have anyone eighteen, even nineteen, kind of you know getting a lot of first team minutes. So, I guess a lot will depend on on when he when he arrives in the summer. You know how he how he shapes up in in the first few weeks of training and when they go on tour or when wherever that that is this year and. You know they'll they'll have a look at him, won't they? But I just have a feeling that he he is going to be, you know, part of the part of the squad. Um, whether another right back, senior right back, if you like, will come in, <coughs> I don't know because I think potentially Matty Cash might be one of the one of the the players maybe who who might get moved on um, come the summer. Might be wrong, but I have a feeling about that and. 
I think we will need a couple of right backs. So, um, well, you know, Costa will be presumably one of those. Well, let's talk about that now, Andy. You brought it up. The the elephant in the room, there's been lots of coverage about it. Obviously, uh, Forrest and Everton um, facing points deductions. Um, reliable reports from uh, uh, more than one media outlet saying that Aston Villa will need to sell somebody of significance um, before the end of May. Uh, obviously, that hasn't happened as, as far as we can see um, in, in the January transfer window. So it seems as though if Aston Villa do need to sell a senior player, um, lots of reports coming, about, coming out about Jacob Ramsey. But in terms of, of, of if you go through the Villa 11, Andy... Martinez, obviously, you wouldn't want to sell. Conza, you wouldn't want to touch. Pau Torres has only just got here. You wouldn't want to sell. Dina or Moreno, you could make a case for probably either one of those being 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 sacrificed. You wouldn't want to touch Kamara or Douglas Louise if you can help it. Bailey is, is playing out of his skin, so you wouldn't really want to touch him. Diaby's just got here. Watkins is untouchable as well. So you, you are kind of at slim pickings. If, you, if, 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 if these reports are true, Andy, and we assume that they are, if Aston Villa need to sell a first-team player for significant money, which I assume would be kind of 20 million plus, um, I mean, who are, who, who are your candidates? Is it, is, it, is it Matty Cash? Is that the number one guy you'd, you'd, you'd see out the door? I mean, not, not the see out the door sounds like you, you want him gone, which is not what I'm saying. I'm just talking in the context of the in the context of the FFP bear, as you like, who's who might be coming to eat our face. If someone has to go in that first team squad to generate twenty million plus, um, is is Matty Cash the one who you would be least upset, shall we say, to see leave? Possibly, um, I think. I think though, a lot will depend on on how we finish the season and and what competitions we're playing in next year. Um, I think we've been hopeful that the form of the first half of the season would continue to some degree and we would be contenders for the, the Champions League places, in which case we might have a little bit more control over what happens in terms of outgoings. Um, if we're not in the Champions League... I can see, I can certainly see um, Martinez and Douglas Louise leaving in the summer. Ooh. I think, oh yeah, I think both of those. Andy, you have to warn yeah, me before you say things like that. Are... I'm gonna fall out of my chair. <laughs> Hold on. I th- yeah, I, I, I just think, I just think they will be, and certainly Martinez at this stage of his career um, will want to play in the Champions League very soon, and he'd love to do it with Aston Villa in. The aim of everyone is to get in that top four, or possibly top five, and you know, and and, and playing that that competition in, in the elite European competition next season. But um, they have to. I mean, they're going to have to 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 improve again quite dramatically, um, you know, and, and go on another run to make sure of that. And if they do, great. And I think if they, if they do, I, I, you know, I'm not sure about Douglas Louise. He he may he may um, get get some big offers, but I think Martinez then would would stick around and see it see it through with Villa. Um, but I do think if we don't qualify, certainly those two. And of course, if you can, if you if if those two did leave, then you're talking at at least a hundred million for the two. You know, possibly possibly a fair bit more. Um, depending on what's their, what their, the status of their contracts are, but you know, oh if you don't, if we don't qualify for the Champions League, I think we, I think we potentially lose a bit of control over who we actually sell. Well, Andy, that you know, I'm thinking we might lose cash, and then you're talking about Martinez and Louise. I, I, this is, but this is, this is the I reality. Yeah, I, I suppose the other point that we yeah, don't know and won't know until the, the the accounts are released, which I imagine will be soon is exactly how much money we need to raise in order to to pass the uh, the FFP or, or PR or PR whatever it is uh PRP PRT PRPP PPE whatever it is <laughs> we need to pass um we don't know what the figure is because obviously if we need to raise 60 million pounds then that that's one thing whereas if we need to raise 16 million pounds then that's an entirely different thing but um 
it will be interesting to see who goes. Obviously, rumors of Jacob Ramsey having admirers from high places and, and him being a, a youth prospect, as we've seen with Archer, uh, Philogene and um, Ramsey Jr. Makes the most sense financially, but mm -hmm. um, I would certainly be loath to lose any um, of our players. But we do have... A, uh, a left-sided forward who's, who's, who's come in, uh, in Morgan Rogers. Now, I'm not saying that this is someone who's yeah. been earmarked as a replacement for Jacob Ramsey, um, but that signing has been confirmed today. Uh, another <laughs> West Brom alumni. We could have a, a West Brom family reunion at Bollymore Heath <laughs> at this point. Um, and uh, uh, there might be more ex-West Brom players than, 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 than anyone else in the building, and uh, along with the West Brom staff like Mark Harrison. But I digress. Um, so the fee has been confirmed. There's £8 million up front. Uh, Manchester City will receive 20% of that fee um, as their sell-on clause. So a good you know, £6 million plus uh, profit for Middlesbrough in six months. Not bad work if you can get it. And also with the add-ons, mm. if, if, if Morgan Rogers meets the add-ons, the fee will come up to £15 million. Um, all confirmed. Here we go. Uh, what do you think about this deal, Andy? Intriguing, I think, is the word. Um, I think we, we, we're we at a stage now, aren't we, where when a player comes comes in the door at Villa, we, we immediately have to just wait and see and, and, and trust... Uh, trust Emery, and I think I think you said on on our show a couple of weeks ago that you you'd heard that you know he he picked up on on Morgan Rogers while he was doing some uh, due diligence for the the Middlesbrough Cup tie. So to 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 do that and to to make that decision almost immediately that he wanted to sign him. I mean, they may have had their sort of feelers out for him anyway. I think I think I did hear that obviously with him being a a West Brom lad that they that they had had looked at him. Obviously, Mark Harrison would have been aware of him, you know, years ago, really. But um, it's 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 just fun, isn't it? I, I like this this type of signing. It's it it kind of sets the imagination going. And as much as I I I love signing kind of big name players from Europe, like 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 Pau Torres and and Diaby. Um, Picking up someone um, who I hadn't heard of a couple of months ago from Middlesbrough is is um, it's just really I just find that really exciting and I can't wait to see him play. I can't wait to see him him, him come on at, at, off the bench or or start a game at Villa Park and, and see what he's got. He's and like you say, he's was he about six foot three, six foot four? Yeah, you know, big lad. Um, you know, he's meant he's he's meant to be quick. The goal he scored, I mean, they got hammered at, at, at Chelsea, didn't they, in the semi-final. But the goal he scored towards the end was was lovely. Really nice um, run and shot. So, you know, let's let's see and let's let's give him a bit of time and, and see what he's got. Well, I think that's a good shout, Andy. I think that we're going to have to have some patience with him. We've seen on social media that patience is in short supply with new um, <laughs> with new signings. Uh, Musa Diaby being the latest uh, 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 recipient of some less than uh, kind words from from sections of the fan base, and um, uh, this is probably a separate conversation for a different day. What you know, I I don't know what happened where players couldn't like just be struggling for confidence. It's like ah yeah, this player struggling for confidence, <laughs> he's struggling for form, and and that be kind of it. Whereas now it's like, ah, burn in hell, <laughs> you terrible man, ruining our team. Um, and, and I questioned yeah. myself the other day why Diaby, uh, tangent alert, why Diaby was starting ahead of Bailey. And then, you know, straight away, Unai Emery says after the game, Bailey's struggling with a back injury, which, you know, that explains it. Okay. If, if, because people like Troyore are not here and not available, Ramsey's gone, Philogene's gone, uh, Zaniolo, I think. I get the impression they're not starting him because they don't want to trigger this automatic buy clause. I don't know if it's appearances or starts or what the deal is, um, but certainly this Morgan Rogers signing is a is a a different physical profile. It's also an entirely different kind of um, outlook in terms of Emery getting him under his wing and developing him, and um, and 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 we'll see how he goes. I think that um, coming in in January and having six months to to train with the squad. Um, you know, without too much pressure on him, uh, gives him gives him an opportunity, and certainly the pedigree's there. 
Uh, this is someone who signed for multi-millions by Man City. This is someone who the West Brom Academy people had as being, you know, kind of their best their best uh, uh, prospect. And, and that puts him above the likes of Anirug Boom or uh, Louis Barry or even Saido Berahino. Who was um, who was who, who was a much vaunted uh, talent to come out of that academy as well, and the lad that went to Chelsea, whose name escapes me, and then went to Huddersfield. I don't remember his name, but anyway, he he was a, he was he was a good one as well. Um, um, so that's Morgan Rogers. Morgan Rogers is in the door. The goalkeeper as well. Um, uh, you mentioned Gaucho. Um, let's talk about him for a moment, Andy. Uh, Gaucho coming in. Australian international, um, following in the footsteps of our beautiful uh, Mark uh, Bosnich, um, the wearer of what is absolutely the number one goalkeeping shirt in the history of football, dare I say. Um, <laughs> a shirt that I had yeah. actually as a, as, a, as a kid. I had it and um, and I somewhere mm. I either threw it away um, and I wish I still had it because I would put it on the wall with my other shirts, which were over here. Um, but I wasn't thinking, you know, in those in those terms back then anyway another australian goalkeeper uh two questions andy number one i know you don't is, is this is this someone who's going to be going back on loan do we think uh like uh uh, uh and sousa uh, from from arsenal who we'll talk about in a moment or is this someone who is finally without i'm not trying to be disrespectful here but someone who's finally gonna see us rid of robin olsen <laughs> well i mean Ol olsen will still be around presumably because there's no talk of him him going anywhere so um he will presumably come in and and, and add to the um add to the uh the contingent the goalkeeping contingent only um obviously marshall went didn't he so so he's he's perhaps come in to to compete with olsen for that number two spot but i think the idea is that that's that's the plan he's he's coming to to be part of the squad he's not going anywhere he's coming to be the the backup or one of the backup goalkeepers for for Martinez, which I think we desperately need, and one would presume that he's got the um, he's got the the profile and pedigree that that the Emery's looking for in in, in a goalkeeper. I.e., um, he's comfortable with the ball at his feet, and um, you know he 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 uh, he knows how to how to come off his line and uh, come out of his <laughs> and deal with deal with long balls. Over our over our high line, so um, it is very see, very I mean, mean when people yeah. super glue Robin Olsen's feet to his line before games. Um, <laughs> you know how's a man supposed to goalkeep when he's glued to the to the spot like that? It's very unfair. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, it's 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 interesting. I love the fact he's he's Australian, obviously, because you, you know you are you do immediately think of of Mark Bosnich and. Uh, and the and and the nineties nineties and anyone who knows me knows how much I love the nineteen nineties um, or the late nineteen hundreds as the kids call it. Um, so um, I think I think it's um, you know we'll, we'll we'll obviously wait and see. Um, as with any reserve goalkeeper that we have, I hope they don't have um, we don't have too much cause to 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 need to pick them because uh, any any. Any drop drop off from Martinez is is usually quite quite um, pronounced. Yeah, it is, and um, and as I said, that that one isn't confirmed anyway. But just wanted to mention, but one that has been confirmed today um, is Lino Sosa or Sousa, uh, depending on how you pronounce it, a fullback also formerly of West Brom, <laughs> who's been signed from Arsenal. So this it's ridiculous, isn't it? It is ridiculous. <laughs> It's getting a bit weird. It is getting a bit weird. Um, I saw someone tweet at this point. At this point, I forget who it is, so I can't credit them. At this point, it might be cheaper to buy the club. <laughs> um, lots of West Brom players um, coming in. And um, uh, and Lino Sosa, um, I listened to, uh, for the love of Paul McGrath pod, uh, they had someone on who's a kind of expert on the, uh, on the uh, youth team in Arsenal. Um, on a recent show, check that out. Um, the uh, Undergast, not Undergast, that's us on uh, the gather the uh, for the love of Paul McGrath pod. Easy for me to say. Um, so that was a good in depth um, in depth analysis of, of of Lino. So apparently he is another bit another unit, six foot plus, big, strong, fast, technically good. Uh, the crossing of Luca Dean apparently with the end to end speed of, of Moreno. 
So kind of, apparently, a bit of a hybrid of the two in terms of characteristics. Now, obviously, with this huge caveat there, a huge pinch of salt that, that Lionel has been doing that in, in youth football rather than senior football. It is a different thing, of course. So we're not necessarily expecting this guy to walk into the Premier League and do Luca Dean or Alex Moreno things. But certainly the idea is at youth level that he combines the best of both. And I would assume, Andy, um, with Luca Dean and Alex Moreno both being on the wrong side of 30, um, that one of those guys will be moving along in the summer. And I would assume it would be Luca Dean just because of the wages, although Luca Dean has, has outperformed Moreno this season, certainly. But Luca Dean is on those, those Gerard Coutinho Chambers crazy wages that uh, Gerard was handing out. Um, obviously, with support from the club, he, he wasn't acting alone. And um, you would think with the FFP bear coming to tear off our face, um, removing Luca Dean would be probably a much much more beneficial than, than Alex Moreno. And then maybe you've got Lino and Moreno competing for that uh, left-back left, left spot next year. Uh, but Lino has been immediately sent to Plymouth. Uh, our good friends at Plymouth, who've been looking after Finazaz and uh, Kane Kessler-Hayden uh, for the first half of the season. Um, so he'll go there to get some senior football. Um, I'm not expecting you to know a great deal about this guy, Andy, but um, any thoughts on this signing? Or I guess the, the to, to Ian's point and, and Mark in the chat as well, the physical profile, the age profile, Dina and Moreno, two diminutive men. Whereas now uh, our new young right back, Costa, and our new young left back Lino, as well as our new forward Morgan, all of these guys six foot plus units. Uh, what do you think about these signings and this uh, Lino Sosa signing, Andy? Yeah, I think in terms of the in terms of Sosa, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a, again a you know it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, you know, I'm glad you don't expect me to know much about him because I, I certainly don't. Other than like you say, he's a, he's a West Brom. Um, Academy player who's, who's, who's been at Arsenal. Um, yeah, I, they're clearly looking for, for certain types now, aren't they? Um, and I wonder, I wonder first of all how much they they're expecting of these players when they when they do join up with with the squad, um, and whether yeah w whether they'll be first choice, second choice, third choice. You know, we, we're not sure really. It's interesting with the with any kind of defenders or certainly fullbacks in terms of the way Emery likes to line up, isn't it? Because we've seen um, we we do play very much with a, a kind of back three in possession and and you know a back four out of possession, um, and you wonder whether signing these players sort of right and left side. Um, you know, it's not necessarily the case that we're going to have two, um, you know, two two fullbacks bombing on every game. Really, I think they will be. It will be interchangeable, and I'm sort of thinking about a time when they might be, hopefully, um, fingers crossed, maybe expecting Tyro Mings back, um, and whether we'll we'll see the a return to to the the idea of Paul Torres or Tyro Mings playing at playing on the sort of left side of, of the defence or, or at left back. So um be interesting to, to to kind of see all that. And there's there's so many moving parts to it and it's really difficult to to make any firm predictions, isn't it, about how these players might get utilized. But clearly there's a there's a there's a process, there's a, a certain to certain profiles that, that Emery and Monchi are looking at in terms of being able to to do what what for the team to be able to do what Emery wants it to do and function the way that it, he wants it to. So, um, you know, we, we shall see and hopefully, you know, he can, he can go because it's a high level to go in at, isn't it? Sort of first loan. I don't know if he's been on loan before, but first loan going in at, at the championship, he's obviously got some, some, some real quality there. Yeah. And um, uh, Ian mentioning in the chat there, shout out and hello to Kyle, who's in there as well now, um, that, um, that Arteta hasn't always given the youth a chance at Arsenal. And that's been um, 
a bugbear for some Arsenal fans, but this could potentially be to our, our advantage. Yeah, I would assume if Plymouth and Plymouth are, are going okay in, in, in the championship, obviously Azaz, they've lost Azaz and Kane Kessler-Hayden, uh, <laughs> thanks to us, so I'm glad they haven't uh, banished us from darkening their door again. Uh, uh, as uh, Aston Villa call up. So the fact that he's going at that kind of level suggests that, yes, this guy definitely has something. Um, this is someone with a major pedigree and certainly with the, the physical profile and the technical profile to succeed. The other point that the uh, that was made on the Full Love of Paul McGrath show, again, another shout out to them, um, is that uh, he has been doing the Zinchenko role uh, in the youth ranks. So he's been inverting. So talking okay. about inverting to a back three which we've been doing we can't do with cash as because we know why Kamara dropped back against Newcastle to do it Konza can do it um so when we're dropping to a back three this is apparently someone who can invert and get involved in the midfield play and and play a little little bit of technical ball that's what's been um, developed in him as well as being an out and out fullback who can who can do the kind of traditional side of the game so another exciting one another cheaper option and um and and this augurs well for next season it's good to see that we haven't kind of bet the farm on champions league qualification we are taking a little bit more of a measured view with this transfer window and and although it might not be what everyone wanted to see i think that long term having a strategy to make sure that we're competitive for years and years ahead and we're buying assets which can appreciate in value uh, rather than kind of chasing this this Champions League thing too hard and, and blowing our money on someone who's very expensive right now, who may or may not be helpful, who we're then we're stuck with on a three or four year deal. Hello, Philip Coutinho. Hello, Callum Chambers, uh, etc. Hello, DeAndre Dendonka. May not be the long term sustainable way to run our football club. All right, we are uh, almost fifty minutes in, Andy, and we are yet to talk about the uh, the, the Newcastle game. Um, so the first thing, let's talk about it briefly and, and then we'll wrap up and say uh, goodnight to everyone. And um, briefly, the first thing I would like to say about the Newcastle game is that um, I think that Aston Villa Football Club, its players, its fans, us, and uh, of course Unai Emery deserve massive congratulations. Let's not forget that we had a 15-game winning run at home, which broke all records. And this, is, this isn't Premier League record, this isn't something that you know Brucey did in the championship or anything like that this is a club record that's been broken um we're looking at 150 years worth of 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 Aston Villa history that's been broken um we knew the record would end at some point it ended unfortunately with Sheffield United but we were at least unbeaten and now we have suffered our first home defeat since that uh, Arsenal game ironically uh last season was it Arsenal or Leicester was it was it I think it was Arsenal um, we lost, yeah, we lost two back to back and, um, first one since then, never good to lose and, uh, not nice to lose in this fashion either. Um, but we did the record's gone, Andy, you were there. Um, give us your, your overview of your thoughts from the, the Newcastle defeat three, one to Newcastle, of course. I just think, I just think we were, we were outdone in all departments, um, throughout the game really there were moments where I felt like we might start to um exert some pressure there were times you know perhaps when when Newcastle you know struggled to, to get out and Villa were winning the ball back high um certainly early in the first half and and in the second half we we, we did rally a bit but I just felt Newcastle had had greater control and greater great conviction in terms of their game plan I think I felt like they believed what they were being asked to do more than the Villa players did, which is a little bit of a concern. Um, but essentially, Villa had no answer to to their to Newcastle's high press. You know, they they pressed right up against us when we had had the ball at the back, um, blocking the options, um, doubling up on on McGinn in particular when the ball whenever the ball went into him. You know, they were they were they were right in on him. Um, taking it off him, making it difficult for him to 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 open the game out. So um it was it was really difficult. You could argue maybe Pal Torres um finds a way through that press and then settles them a, a little bit and uh, you know and they and they, they start might have started to um to worry more about that. But you know, I thought that Eddie Howe 
set his team up absolutely brilliantly to to beat Villa at Villa Park and and they 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 did it. They were a little bit fortunate with their second goal. It was you know it, spawny it was, um, is the word that comes to mind. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But you know the uh, the big centre half reacted quicker than everyone, didn't he? So you have to say fair play. And you know he, he's he's got a couple of goals on the night. Um, the third goal was I thought an absolute mess. You know Matty Cash sort of losing the ball and it just it was it was you know you could see it coming a mile off you know what was going to happen there and it was it tucked in at the far post so um yeah disappointing way to end it but had to come at some point not entirely a surprise and um the the positive was um Ollie Watkins getting his his 50th um Villa goal which or Premier League goal I think actually and he's only the third player to do that so fastest um, one to I get there as well um, beating Dwight York although fast, I think, yeah, yeah I think Dwight York was with us for about 22 years before he was a starter so that, that'll be why <laughs> in terms of him uh, whereas uh, Gabby the other player was um, a youth player coming through but either, either way to have only three players in the um, to have only three players in the history of the Premier League uh, get above 50 goals is 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 is, is rarefied air for Ollie Watkins and um if he carries on going how he's going to go, he's, he's going to beat them all. Yeah, I, I echo much of your thoughts from the Newcastle game. I think that um, it's been talked about in, in detail. I think Howe has done a job on us twice, um, which was remarkable because last this time last season or a little bit later on last season when we had that magnificent 3-0 win, we had all the answers for Newcastle and their, their press. We went over the press. We were direct. We hit them on the counter-attack. We was quick. We was incisive. We had a... We had a deeper um, back line. Um, we've obviously ad- adjusted our playing style since last season, and we don't have the same personnel. Also, <laughs> someone there's a big, large six foot five man uh, that allows you to play a very good low block, which uh, who's who's one of the best kind of man for man defenders in the league, who has not been with us this season, um, which doesn't necessarily yeah. allow you to play the same way because no one else is built like him. He's he's kind of like one of a kind. Certainly Aston Villa, and there's not too many of his kind of physical profile in in the whole Premier League anyway. So that kind of changes things. Um, and we've had a disrupted defence. Luca Dean, who was doing so well, uh, is out injured. Uh, Diego Carlos wasn't playing. Um, Konza has been moving about. Cash, obviously, led, had a mistake. Cash, I think it's fair to say, isn't having a, a beautiful season um, overall. Uh, has find it, found this, this one a little bit of a slog. Probably Cash's hardest season he's, he's had for us. Um, you know, it happens. Mm. Players come in and out of form, and um, and and as you say, the, the the forward players not not quite clicking either. Musa Diaby being singled out for for lots of lots of uh, um, uh, um, attack and abuse online. I just think the guy's low on confidence and out of form, and I also think that he can't really play with his back to goal. I think I said something about the uh, the comparison I made in the group chat was to Danny Ings. We're pumping up balls to Danny Ings, and I used to say, "This is ridiculous. Danny Ings can't do that. <laughs> he, he can't do it. So why? What? And 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 Diaby is even smaller and, and less strong than Ings was, and we're pumping up balls to him. I mean, it's a little bit unfair on him. I thought um, some of the some of the way we're we're pumping long balls to him against Dan Byrne. I'm like, he doesn't have a prayer in that situation. Absolutely, I, I think that. And um, I mean, Regan pointed it out sort of on our on our group chat and the night. You know that this odd tactic because we couldn't play through Newcastle's press. We were, we were launching the ball up to DRB who was, who had six foot eight, whatever he is of, of Dan Burns behind him. You know, it was just never going to work unless, and you know, unless the ball goes, goes past and it's a foot race. Um, but I think, yeah, he's, he's, he is just low on, he's low on confidence, but I feel like, I feel like the team aren't putting him or Watkins in the sort of positions that we were earlier in the season. And I'm not entirely sure why that is. Maybe a little bit of lack of control. And and clearly, you know, opposition defences are, are setting up to 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 defend to defend um deep against us and, and not allow the space in behind so much and, and the room to for DRB to run into. So you know, it makes so, sense. It's just when he when he is getting into a position, he's 
he's fluffing a lot of his shots. He, it's like he can't get any it's power. I think, or, I think it's got to be confidence. It's got to be confidence because we saw yeah. him in the early part of the season. I mean, we had a show, a whole part of a show dedicated to how he just integrated seamlessly and how good he looked. So we know he can do it. We've already yeah. seen it. Um, so this is one of the yeah. reasons I get a little bit annoyed with some of the, the abuse held his way. We, we've already seen that this man can do it. He's just not doing it right now. Um, Andy, I yeah. want to ask you quickly. Well, the, 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 so I just want to say that the, the, any abuse is is just ridiculous. I mean, if you're sending a, um, abuse to, uh, to to footballers, then you need to have a look at yourself. Give your head a wobble, is the, uh, is just, the saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, particularly players... I mean, anyone, but of course, but particularly new players, players who are playing yeah. for your team. I new, mean... new players who are, who are trying to bed in. and, and... So, Andy, overall, yeah. there's, there's, there are people, Villa fans who think the wheels have fallen off and we're now going to have, a, have oh. a patchy end to the season. Um, what, what is your feeling? Is this a small blip? Um, Mark in the chat is saying that uh, this might just be the kick up we ask we need. I am always half glass half full kind of guy. I think this is just a chance for us to reset. Um, Andy, share with us your thoughts. Where is Villa season headed in your view? Well, on, on the strength of the last few games, um, it doesn't look great. Um, but having said that, I think every team pretty much in the league will go through sticky patches and difficult runs of form where it looks like you're never going to win a game again. And I think what we have to remember is we we haven't got an, an ordinary manager that would allow that to continue. You know, we've got a guy that, if necessary, will just re- revert to basics and you know and go back to the you know the the, the defensive kind of um, way that we had last season after that Arsenal game and that Leicester game where we were shipping goals. He tightened everything up and we went on a run where we conceded two goals in ten games. You know, if if he if he has to do that, he will. You know, he doesn't want to. He, we want to play good football. He wants to play the game in a certain way. But ultimately, it's about accumulating points, and particularly in the position that we're in. So, I'm not entire. I'm not overly concerned from that perspective. That I suppose there is an issue of um, you know buy in and buy out from players, and and how and and whether they, you know, whether some players do hit a wall. Um, with these type of managers after a certain period of time. Um, and it's about Emery kind of being alive to that and, and knowing the ones that, that have perhaps um, run their race and 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 replacing them with with new players who are who are keen to to come in and, and you know and take that position. So um I, I think that um... I still think we'll be gone. I was going to say to that point, um, just to pick up on that, Sir Alex Ferguson was the master of that, wasn't he? He knew when a player had yeah. kind of yeah. ran out of their cycle and he didn't mind. It did matter the name, Paul Ince, Jap Stam, uh, Roy Keane even, uh, David Beckham. Yeah. It, it didn't matter. When, you, when he felt that you needed to be cycled out, he moved you on and he didn't think twice about it. And I imagine that, um, not to compare Unai Emery to Sir Alex Ferguson, perhaps the greatest manager ever lived, but I would think in terms of the point you made there, Unai Emery seems to be cut from a different cloth. Um, I don't think he's going to suffer fools and I don't think that he's going to stand on ceremony or be too kind of um, sentimental about any of these players. Um, No, I think, and I think that's the right way to be, isn't it? Absolutely. And, And, you know, we may see see a bit of that in the in the summer where he, he you know he maybe just freshens freshens up the squad a little bit um, you know and and yeah we'll 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 wait and see him and however he does it but I I do think this season I think we'll be we'll we'll be in and around the that, that top five or six at least there or thereabouts to quote Andy's favourite Villa manager okay so. <laughs> Uh, we are coming up to the hour mark now, so we are very much almost out of time. Uh, before we leave you, Andy, uh, we are away at Bramall Lane on uh, Saturday, uh, I believe in the uh, uh, evening kickoff, is it? And um, we're going to be traveling to Bramall Lane. Um, we have, obviously, Cameron Archer has already come back to bite us once this season. 
Brett Brereton Diaz, uh, formerly of Blackburn Rovers, has hit the ground running and already got a couple of goals in a couple of games. And Sheffield United, as we kind of expected, are just a different beast under Chris Wilder. I think they're still going down for what it's worth, but I think they're going to go down with much more of a fight. And certainly being away at Bramall Lane now under Chris Wilder, as we found out at Villa Park, I think it's going to be a different kettle of fish to how it was in the, the beginning of the season where I think they you know, they rolled over kind of 7 or 8 nil to someone, didn't they, Sheffield United? I don't see that happening again under Chris Wilder's watch. So, um, Villa out of form, as we know, Andy, just uh, had our first home defeat in a, in a year. On paper, you would like to play one of the kind of people in the relegation zone uh, when, you're, when you need to find your feet, but this seems like it might be uh, a tougher day at the office than we might want, actually. Um, what are your thoughts on the Sheffield United fixture coming up on Saturday? It is a tough day at the office. It will be. Um, obviously, I think, you know, when you're out of form, um, every game is difficult in the Premier League. Um, you can you can get beaten by, turned over by anyone, as we know. But um, I think it's, a, it's an ideal game to kind of get things off and running again and, you know, and really kind of, put ourselves back in the in the mix you know cheer everyone up a little bit and um I, I really think you know they need to be really on it this weekend and and you know really try and get back to 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 how they were earlier in the season I, you know I think back to the the win at Burnley you know earlier in the season just com- completely dominant similar kind of um test this will be um I mean, Chris Wilder, you know, he's he is one of he's from that that school of managers, isn't he? You know, he's he knows how to how to set a team up and how to get a team playing um, and make it he was very. Having a go he's at also, one of yeah. the assistant referees to uh, and make it hard for you yeah. as well. Make it very awkward as he did for us at Villa Park. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely, and you know they do have players. They do have. You know, a couple of danger men. Um, certainly, we know Cameron Archer can <laughs> can score from anywhere, and, and and Diaz will be looking to to um, you know you know kick on his career in the Premier League. He's been waiting a long time for this opportunity, hasn't he? So, um, yeah, we'll see. I think. Yeah, I mean, after the other night, if you'd have if you'd have asked me to pick a team for us to play to get back back going again, I'd have said Sheffield United. So. Take that! How you <laughs> wow. All right. Um, then on that note, Andy, uh, let's give uh, give us your score prediction for Sheffield United versus Aston Villa. I think we're gonna we're gonna go back to um, being hard to break down defensively. I think that'll be the the order of the day from from Emery. But I think we'll uh, I think we'll get we'll get three goals, three nil. Wow! <laughs> All right, I'm going to go for a slightly tighter two-one, um, but fingers crossed that we can get Aston Villa back to winning ways. Uh, we have covered a lot today. Thank you for the love in the comments. Thank you to Mark, Ian, Kyle, etc. for all of you joining in. Thank you to everyone watching and also to everyone listening on our main uh, channel. This will be available on our main uh, podcast feed uh, within the next 24 hours or so. Um, thank you so much, Andy. Great to have you on again. And um, and uh, h- how's it feel? Back live on YouTube. Gather around again. A, a bonus edition. I love this show. It's great. <laughs> and it's always good to come on and be part of it. And it and it's nice. It's nice not to have to to. It's nice for to, for you to be asking me the questions. There you go. Uh, for you know, on the odd occasion. So, shout yeah, out to yeah, Andy. It's, Andy it's always is, good to come on. Andy is the workhorse <laughs> of the uh, of the uh, Under a Gaslit Lamp podcast, and uh, it is nice for you to you know put your slippers on, have a cup of tea, and uh, let someone else do the work for a change. All right, thank you so much, Andy. Thank you. No problem at all. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this is Gather Round Again, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you in partnership with underagaslitlamp.com. Please check out uh, our website. We have a couple of fantastic new writers writing features for us. Um, obviously, uh, the uh, regular podcast will be going out as and when we can do it, probably next week to review the Sheffield United game and talk about the Chelsea uh, FA Cup fixture as well. 
Um, please feel free to go back through the archives on this YouTube channel. Um, give us a like, uh, give us a five stars, all that good stuff, and share, share, share. Um, we have lots of uh, videos talking through the glory days where we just used to win every week in Europe and all that other good stuff. And we'll be back again when the European uh, fixtures uh, uh, get up and running in the spring. So thank you again for listening. Um, I'm Craig Storrod at Craig Storrod on Twitter. He is Andy Bates at K2Villa on Twitter. And we have been gathering around again with you on this Aston Villa transfer window deadline day special thank you all very much and good evening thank you for tuning in to gather around again and ask them for the podcast please like and subscribe up the villa daily and atkinson on one of those great runs